It's Friday, and that means it's time for DGMH, Drinks with Great Minds in History, as we get ready to celebrate another Great Minds birthday, that is to say, Shot's regular guy, Luke Franchuk. This episode of DGMH is brought to you by Podcorn, the easy, stress-free way to start monetizing your podcast. Anyone who has started a podcast from scratch dreams of rapid growth and generating some income, but making those dreams into realities can be challenging. But not with Podcorn. Personally, I had no idea who to reach out to, who would be interested in sponsoring my show, or where to even begin. Podcorn changed all of that. Podcorn is a place where podcasters can connect with great, relevant podcast sponsorship opportunities, and you get to work directly with every sponsor. Podcasters, big and small, can browse and choose opportunities right from the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly in a way that is easy for everyone. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is there to support you every step of the way. Podcorn gives podcasters creative freedom and full control of how and when we monetize. Just click on the link in my show notes to sign up with Podcorn and start making the most of your podcasting journey. So let's raise a glass to Podcorn. Cheers! I'm shocked that I get that I get the Great Minds moniker, in addition know. to Shots Regular. You that, still Shots true. Regular guy. Doesn't mean you're not a great mind. There are a lot of, <laughs> a lot of questionable great minds out there. So, this one's going to be very different, as today we are focusing not on the great mind, but on the drinks. Uh, and since we are celebrating Luke's birthday, the topic choice was up to him, and it shouldn't surprise you, uh, it's Arnold Palmer's. No, I'm kidding, that was just the one and done. Uh, just kidding, we're talking totally, of course, about Yingling Lager. Why is you, Why is that ringing a bell, Yingling Lager? Where, where are they at? Uh, I think they're located in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Any fun fact you know about Yingling they Lager? They are America's oldest brewery, Zach. And that, that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. So how are you doing tonight, Luke? Uh, doing well, Zach. How are you? Good. It's good to see you. It's been a while since we've done some uh, shots heard around the world since the Battle Royale. So it, Yeah. And uh, but we that, keep that in touch on the Facebook like page. ages ago. It does feel like a long time, especially considering that there was a time where we did two a month. <laughs> yeah, we were really uh, so, them out. So it's, it's, it's been a while. But uh, let's, let's just jump right into this. So what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking hmm? an ice-cold Yingling Yacht Lager. Ling, a, ling, a lingling lager. Uh, yeah. A yingling lager. I've All got a right. couple. Uh, uh, an ice cold yingling lager from America's oldest brewery in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. In Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Who knew? I don't know. Are we doing a shot afterwards? We don't have to do a shot during this episode. No, we better not. I got to work tomorrow. I do too. Uh, okay, so here's what I'm saying, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to drink the whole thing because I don't know if it's really my style, but I was able to get one, thanks to Kelly Rizal. Oh, one of the Hershey a Porters. Yingling Hershey Chocolate Porter. Now, I don't know if oh. you about me, but there are two things I know about Porters. George Washington loved them, and I fucking hate them. So, uh, cheers to that. Here's to Yingling. We're going to start the show in just a second, but i got to try this bad boy and let you know how it is. Have you had one yet? I've not had a Hershey Porter it yet. It smells like Hershey's chocolate syrup. Oh, my God. I don't <laughs> know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Good. It tastes like a porter. I could have one. I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna drink it. Not bad. Uh, you know that that's fine. Um, I'm actually not hating that. How strong is it? Uh, Twenty-one to enjoy. I don't know how strong it is. So 
Fuck it. Uh, but yeah, the smell is very chocolatey. All right? Mm-hmm. But the taste is not. Uh, it's very porter. And yeah, and you know, speaking of porters, you know, we should really talk about the beer here. So what? Do, uh, we got a Yingling Lager, a Yingling yep. Hershey's. So nice. uh, we'll be sure to do a couple things here. Uh, of course, I have a birthday gift for you, which we'll get to later. But let's get started. So... Basically, I went off Yingling's website to get most of my information. Then I found myself diving into some smaller articles that I could find. But I thought this was a really interesting place to start. So Yingling says right on their website, Yingling is a tale of shared dreams, individual tenacity, and an unwavering dedication to standards of quality. So since it is your birthday celebration and your birthday is, this airs on Friday, your birthday will be Saturday, yes? Yep. All right. So... Happy birthday tomorrow. So what makes Yingling your favorite beer? Oh, geez. It's it, it's probably my, it's my first beer. It was the first beer I had. And there there's just something, I don't know. I, I enjoy the flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes well with dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes really well with pretzels. Oh, absolutely it does. Now, now, do you agree with the quote I just said? Do you have a lot of tales of shared dreams with Yingling Lager? Tales of shared. I have a lot of memories. Oh, I think that counts. Just you know, sitting at Permani Brothers, shooting yeah. the breeze, and and I think Yingling's kind of one of a kind. Maybe that's a Pennsylvania thing. I don't know. Who knows? But apparently, they have unwavering dedication to standards of quality. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, anywhere you go in Pennsylvania, if you just say I want a lager, you're getting you're, a Yingling. You're going to get a, a Yingling. And there's something else to that too. Is that I've never been upset with Yingling. And I think that says something. Yeah, I've never been disappointed with one. Now, before we get to the history for a second, I, I thought I'd share something. I, I was riding with the top down in the Jeep tonight, and I, I had a sweater in the back of the car, and I decided to keep it on for the show. Because Luke and I actually went to undergraduate school together at Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, and I, oh, I am see. wearing my Dub C Westminster College quarter zip. So, good times, good memories, many days at the coffee shop, not enough at the <laughs> bar. Actually, I don't know if we ever went to a bar together ever. I don't uh, know that we did either, yeah. but we did spend a lot of days at Munz- at, uh, at a coffee shop. Yeah. The Friends version of a bar. Uh, so, let's talk history for a second. Luke, like I said, chime in when you want to. But, you know, Yingling Lager, what is the story? This is what interested me. So, it was founded in 1829 by David G. Yingling. Gottlieb. Uh, huh? Gottlieb. Gottlieb? Gottlieb. What's German. That? That's how you say it in German? David Gottlieb Yingling. Yingling. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's going to be great. Okay, yeah. So David G, whatever you just said, Yingling, which would have been spelled with a J uh, in, in Germany, but here it was anglicized and it was a Y, uh, which is where we get the Y-U-E-N-G-L-I-N-G spelling. But David G Yingling founded Eagle Brewery, and there Yingling was born. David Yingling himself was born in uh, Württemberg, Germany in 1808. You know, really, what's Eagle Brewery have to do with Yingling? Is it the same thing? Of course it is. Just take a look at every bottle of Yingling lager, and there is an eagle with the date 1829 right on the bottle. And there's a reason for that, because it was originally called Eagle Brewery. So that's why the eagle's there. But out of Eagle Brewery, D.G. Yingling produced his first beers, Lord Chesterfield Ale and Porter in 1829. And from there, things really started to heat up. So Luke, did you have anything you want to add there, or do you want me just to keep rolling? No, you can keep going. All right. So in 1831, the brewery burned to the ground. 
The new brewery was constructed again in, uh, what's the name of that town again? Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Pottsville, Pennsylvania, home to America's oldest brewery. On a different street where it still remains to this day, but by this point, Yingling was supplying beer to more than 25 bars that were very prosperous in the Pottsville area. The brewery would continue to produce high-quality beer uh, through the American Civil War and even battle the temperance movement in the 1850s, hanging on for dear life as Pennsylvania narrowly avoided that devil worship that is prohibition. <laughs> then we move on. Uh, the name change came in 1873, just as America was really entering the industrial age. D.G. Yingling and son was born as his son entered the business as a partner. But with new life, uh, so often follows death. And in 1877, David G. Yingling, the company's original uh, founder and owner, died. Pretty cool, uh, kind of about, and you might mention this later, but um, Pottsville was uh, pretty much a coal mining town. Oh. So, so they were surviving and brewing this beer because coal miners happened to live in the area. Pottsville was pretty small, about 250 people that lived in it originally, grew to 500 people, grew to 1,000 people, doubled that size. So Pottsville continued to grow because of various coal mining operations in the area. And actually, underneath where the Yingling Brewery is now, they had coal miners dig caves Oh. And underneath the brewery, which is where they let the, the beer age. Oh, and, yeah, uh, keep it before cool. Before they would bottle it, yeah. Oh, no way. That's fascinating. So yeah. y y that's not surprising because, like I said, Yingling's kind of coming into its own really as a, a big company and with its current name in the industrial age. So coal mining is going to be huge. Yeah, that's fascinating. Oh, my gosh. Where did you find the little tidbit? I didn't find that. I just clicked one button and read stuff. <laughs> All right. So I thought then we should jump to history's darkest hour. And here, of course, I'm talking about January 16th, 1919 the day of the ratification of the 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution, Prohibition. I don't like Prohibition on this show. Prohibition defeats this show. Uh, it's the complete worst thing we possibly could have had. So, Luke, do you have anything to share about Prohibition? Do you know anything about that? Have you come across that in any of your graduate studies at all? Or uh, My knowledge of Prohibition is pretty much from the HBO series Boardwalk Empire. Oh, great show. Great show. Great show. Basically, the United States said we're not going to uh, transport, consume, sell any type of alcohol, period. Period. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, students even ask, how'd they do that? Like, snap of a finger, you know? And the answer is they didn't. It wasn't until January 17th, 1920, the extra worst day in history, that the actual <laughs> enforcement of prohibition uh, went into place uh, with the passage of the Volstead Act. Well, the Bolstead Act was passed before that. It set in date that set that date as the day prohibition would kick into effect. And mm -hmm. I always tell it as that had to be the biggest damn party in the history of the world. Tomorrow, yeah. no one can legally consume booze and we're going to dump it in the gutters. So let's drink it all tonight. So, you know, this was in many ways not America's darkest hour. I mean, the 20s were were roaring. But then by the end of the 20s, it certainly was America and the world's darkest hour in the Great Depression. By uh, the end of the 20s, you needed alcohol. <laughs> and the problem was you couldn't get it. You couldn't get it. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to visit a speakeasy, especially one that was genuinely like hidden, like a speakeasy. And they still have those. It's like a gimmick bar today. Yeah. But how do you think, Luke, that Yingling managed to stay alive through the Great Depression and the Prohibition era? Because that's uh, another whammy for them. The economy's down and nobody yeah. can drink. The economy's down. Uh, Yingling was not, the, their bottom line was not doing well. And he had all these people that he was responsible for. They were his employees. And if, if he couldn't find gainful employment for them, they'd have to go back to the coal mines, which oh. no one would want to do. So what they ended up doing was they 
decided to make ice cream. Oh, and really? they made ice cream, which uh, they still do make, actually. Oh. And they also made beer with 0.5% alcohol. And that's what I found. That stuff was called near beer. Near uh, beer. Yes, or cereal beverage is like a wheat-based beverage. Yeah, so Yingling only survived the prohibition uh, thanks to near beer. It actually had to celebrate its 100th anniversary with non-alcoholic beer. How lame is that? Uh, but do you have so they brewed ice cream? That's fascinating. Well, they didn't. They they didn't brew. Oh ice my gosh! I'm sorry. They they made ice cream. they made ice cream. Yeah, and they still have a uh, a little ice cream shop attached mm -hmm. to the brewery. Is it beer flavored ice cream? I don't know if they have beer flavored ice I cream. I wonder what flavors they made. You know, a lot of things that go into. Uh, into beers like vanillas and stuff would probably be pretty easy for them to handle. I bet it damn good. Yeah. Now I'm curious. I got to visit Pottsville, Pennsylvania. So near beer, uh, ironically saved a brewery's life in the Great Depression and Prohibition era. But then our great uh, hero of the Prohibition era came into be uh, in 1933 as FDR saved the day. His election and shortly thereafter, I believe in his first hundred days, began the process of repealing Prohibition first in practice and then later ruling it null and void with the 21st Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And I actually read, I don't know if you saw this, that the brewery, Yingling, actually celebrated this by sending a truckload of Yingling beer to the president himself. They did uh, did you see that too? Yes, yes. I, I, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was like, yes, kudos to you. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure prohibition, and I, I don't teach, a, spend a lot of time with this in class, and I haven't taught it for a couple years now, but prohibition was passed primarily by the states, right? Not Congress kind of passed it secondary. Well, as a constitutional am amendment, yeah, uh, it had to pass, it had to be ratified by the states. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, it would be ratified by either the states or Congress, I think. It was, it was a contentious issue. I mean, I always teach it like this. The temperance movement, after 50 plus years of fighting for prohibition of alcohol, won out somehow. And I've never really quite understood exactly how they got the votes. Maybe people just didn't vote. But the day after, Germans and Irishmen were marching down the streets, waving, we want beer on signs. And it continued through all of Prohibition. You know, I've always had a struggle with Prohibition because it's, as far as timing goes, it happens right in the midst of the new wave of immigrants. So not only is there a deeply rooted German culture here, but there's this incoming influx of Irishmen and Italians. And, and when I think drinking, I think those three places, Germany, Italy, and Ireland. You, you have uh, these immigrants that are coming into the United States, Irish immigrants and Italian immigrants, like you said, Zach. And now you have a product that cannot be made, can't be sold, can't be consumed, and can't be uh, transported. Mm -hmm. So this is that gives birth to the modern organized crime. And, and yeah, prohibition just opens the door for organized crime. And FDR was the one who was smart enough to realize this is a multi-billion dollar industry that we're not able to tax. Yep. Let's get it back on the books. It's the Great Depression, people. So Yingling's uh, story kind of, in my opinion, became less eventful from there. It pretty much operated as a modern day company through the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today. Uh, I didn't see any big deal during World War II. I didn't see, I don't know if you came across anything that said that their factory like turned into a missile plant or something. Uh -huh. People still needed beer during World War II. So Yingling just probably kept on doing what they needed to do. But why do you think, I thought we'd wrap it up with a few questions. Why do you think Yingling is so important to Pennsylvania? Because I mean, people from across the country wish they could get access to Yingling. But what is it that you think makes it so important to PA? Uh, I think to Pennsylvania, it's a family-run business. Mm. And in Pennsylvania, that means something. Maybe not so much in, in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or like the cities, but in rural Pennsylvania, where you still have traditional values, family-operated businesses 
that have gone to, it's through five generations now. Uh, people take that to heart. Yeah, I think I don't want to throw Pittsburgh out of that because those Yinzers, they sure love a Yinzer. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I guess I shouldn't quite include include Pittsburgh with that either, or or Philadelphia to an extent. I mean, Pottsville's not far. So. All I know is if, if you if you could buy a if you could buy a six pack of Yingling in the uh, Giant Eagle, you you'd be buying that as a Yinzer. But I don't think you can up there, right? Uh, I think you can now. Yeah, yeah. Buy a sixer at the Giant Eagle. I can't believe it. Uh, they changed those of you that don't know what I'm doing there, that's Pittsburghese. Uh, Yinzer speak, and it's it's simplest, crudest form. I'm not fluent, but I can wing it. And we all do it. You know, my students actually say I have an accent. I'm like, what you talk? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so Yingling is important to PA. Maybe it is the traditional values. Maybe it's a certain claim to fame saying that we as Pennsylvanians house America's oldest brewery. Uh, and I'm always shocked to think of that because Germans have been here since the 1600s. They basically came over right after the Quakers. And I, I, I guess it was in the, what, 1900s some point that they got put on the registry as America's oldest brewery. Uh, yes. And that's where they get that claim to fame. You know, all in all, I'm never, like I said, disappointed with the Yingling. Do you consider this to be part of, like, a key part of American history? I mean, on the show, I feel like it fits perfectly, but... I, I mean, it's not as big as Anheuser-Busch mm -hmm. or no, uh, no, no, Miller no. or any of those, but I, I think there is a part of it that belongs to the American fabric. See, I think you're right. The American fabric, the American dream. This is a small family-owned business that survived every hardship from the foundings of America. Uh, you know, not the foundings, but the early republic through the American Civil War. And beyond that, they survived Prohibition and the Great Depression simultaneously and came out maybe stronger than they were before. So I, I think it's a good representation of business in American history and certainly a representation of German immigration and its impact on the United States because talk about a cultural melting pot in a way. Uh, right now I'm drinking a Yingling Hershey's Chocolate Porter, Pottsville, Pennsylvania meets Hershey's PA. And, uh, you know, it's a nice little symbol of German-American, it's like a German-American footprint. You know? And actually, Zach, there, there is a Yingling Brewery uh, not far from where you are. There's a Yingling Brewery in Tampa. Is there really? There is. Uh, the current owner of Yingling, Richard Yingling, he went down to Tampa. I guess the Phillies have their, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies have their spring training near there. And the Pirates have it down here. The Pirates are in Bradenton, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a he's a Phillies fan. He went down for fantasy baseball camp, and while he was down there, there was a brewery that was vacant and for sale. Oh! And he came home and he said, "I bought a brewery in Tampa, Florida, and we're going to start brewing beer down there." <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, I love it so much. So I'm going to have to go visit that and tell mom from Pennsylvania. Ah, uh, so what's your favorite <laughs> Yingling? Is it Yingling Lager? Yeah, just the traditional Lager Light isn't bad. That's yeah, okay in a pinch. And I do like black and tan. Uh, but I got to say, uh, I'm a fan of the golden pills. You know that about me. I love a Yingling golden pills. Yep. I don't know why, yep. but I love a Yingling lager too. Uh, so Luke, the grand gift for your birthday as we wrap up Boy. this Yingling special is that you get to rate Yingling lager on the scale of Oh, greatness. my. So oh. you probably know where this is going to go, but you got to think about it in the big picture. Okay. Uh, you have three, uh, three six-point things to award. One for uh, taste. This is six points for taste, six points for price, and six points for returnability. What you can award out of eighteen total points. So, Luke, how many points would you give Yingling Lager for taste? Taste. Gotta go with the six for taste. 
Uh, really good. Um, never fails. I've never had a bad yingling. That's true. You know what? That's true. I, I've I don't never know had a bad yingling. Best tasting beer I've ever had, but I think there's something to say for never having a bad yingling. All right. So you are giving your favorite beer a six points yes. for taste. What about yes. price? Price price isn't bad. Uh, it, it can get a little bit sticky. Probably going to give it about a four, a, a three or four, well, somewhere in there. Fair. We'll go high end because it's the Yingling special and say it's a four points for price. All right. And finally, returnability. I don't need your answer to this one. You return to it almost every episode of DGMH. So that's got to be a solid one. Returnability is a solid six. Well, it is your birthday and you can be as crazy as you want to with this rating. So Luke is giving it a solid 16 out of 18 points, giving it six crowns. Yingling Lager is leaving DGMH with six crowns. And we don't have a piece of shit curve or a hangover curve for booze, but maybe <laughs> we could have one in because I've had many a bad hangovers on the golden pills, but I love it. And I keep returning to it too. I'm not far off on your rating, but maybe a little less. Uh, but that's your beer and that's your baby. So that's fun. All right. So that's the show, Luke, unless you have anything else to add. I don't know. Ah, uh, the birthday special. All right. Well, be sure to check us out on Facebook at Drinks with Great Minds in History and Instagram and Twitter at DGMH underscore History Podcast. Don't forget to check out my Patreon page where you can find uncut versions of your favorite episodes without any ads, as well as some last call bonus features that just didn't make the cut of the original episode. And beyond that, the From the Well content where I look at little tidbits that got lost in the shadows of season one. Please help us support the show by visiting my Patreon page and leaving the show a great, hopefully five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So Luke, as we wrap up the show, uh, cheers to you. Thank you for all you've done for the show. And I hope you have a wonderful, how old are you? Uh, this will be the 10th anniversary of my 21st birthday. 31 years. You're turning 31. I'm 31. So it's not that bad. Uh, you're after 30. It just all kind of sucks. Uh, so uh, on that note, cheers to you and cheers to Yingling. Uh, thanks for being a, at least always safe, delicious beer. Uh, so cheers. Thanks, Zach. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.